The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. I have a Harry Potter question, by the way. Hello, Fire Whiskers. Shoot. Okay, I can't remember if I've ever asked this before because I feel like I have, but I can't remember, so I'm going to ask it again. Okay. So, since all of us have gone back to Hogwarts, except for Claire and I, because our letters haven't come in the mail because our owls are lost. They've been lost for 31 years, but anyways. Our files got deleted because of Boldy. Yeah. So, anyways, everybody's back at Hogwarts. So, the movies have been on. So, the one where, in the Order of the Phoenix, the part where they all fly to the Ministry, right? So, they're on those things that are Thestrals, right? But how in... So, how in the world do everybody else see them when only Harry, Luna, and I believe Neville are the only ones that can see them? Like, how do they get on them? And, like, are they, like, freaking out when they're in the air? Like, what am I on? (laughs) Like, I would be freaking out. I am so fucking glad you asked this. Um, Because this is something that was completely skated over in the movies. Gigantic fucking plot hole. And it was addressed in the books. So, give me just a second. Let me pull up Order of the Phoenix. Um, let me look for... Because I'm just, like, sitting there watching this, and I'm just like, how have I never realized that before, that nobody can see these things besides Harry, Luna, and Neville? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, what? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, yeah, Harry said, well, it doesn't matter anyway, because we still don't know how to get there. And Luna said, I thought we settled that. We're flying um ron's like look you might be able to fly without a broomstick but the rest of us can't sprout wings whenever we and luna said there's other way of flying other than broomsticks um and then the thestrals uh luna like points to the thestrals and she's like they we can take those and harry's like yes uh ron goes is that those mad horse things the ones you can't see unless you've watched someone snuff it and harry said yeah and he goes, how many? Just two. Well, we need three, said Hermione. Four, says Ginny. Uh, Luna says there's six of us. Um, uh, everybody's fighting because nobody wants to get fucking pulled behind. Harry's like, all right, everybody pick one, get on. Um, Ron says, how are we supposed to get on? We can't see them. Luna says, oh, it's easy. Come here. And pulls them over to the other Thestral standing around and one by one managed to help get them out of the backs of their mounts. All three looked extremely nervous as she wound their hands into the horse's manes and told them to grip tightly before getting back on her own steed. This is mad, Ron said faintly, moving his free hand gingerly up and down his horse's neck. Mad, if I could just see it. And Harry says, you better hope it stays invisible. Um, But yeah, so they literally could not see it. They had uh, Ron, uh, Hermione, and Ginny. No, I think Ginny was able to see it. Um, no, ne- Neville, 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 she didn't watch anyone die. Well, no, I was thinking, um, Chamber Secret, she kind of saw uh, Riddle die, but no, she can't. So, yeah. So, Harry, Luna, and Neville can all see them, and the rest can't. And so, like, they're literally just riding on something that's invisible and, like, freaking the fuck out. But Luna, like, wraps their hands in the manes. That's my point. I would be, like, freaking the crap out, being like, there's nothing under me, but somehow I'm, like, flying over London. Like, what is this? (laughs) Abso-fucking-lily. Good question. I'm glad you brought that up. That was, I, I, that always drove me nuts, because nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. I mean, people do, but, like, not the people who've only watched the movies. They just kind of suspend disbelief or whatever. Speaking of suspending disbelief and uh, just believing whatever you're told, um, 
I have been educated in that my reason for hating pandas was wrong. Oh my God. So, and I may have touched on this previously, and I feel like I have because I feel like the things I'm about to say I may have said already while recording. But um, I, for those of you who don't remember, previously said that I didn't like pandas because I thought they were a waste of money for something that had basically become, it, it should have been evolutionarily done with because they, you couldn't breed them because their penises were too small or whatever and that's why everyone was struggling to breed them in captivity and that's why it was such a big deal when we got one in captivity that got bred um and we're wasting millions of dollars on something just because it's cute and that's not a good enough reason to keep something alive and, and it was less i don't want to keep a fla failing animal alive and more we're literally paying millions of dollars to rent these pandas and we don't even own them because we have to pay China for them every year. And then when they have babies, after each zoo has spent who knows how much money on fucking bamboo and IVF treatments and fertility treatments and all that kind of shit, then you don't even get to keep the fucking panda because you have to ship it back to China. So, like, you're paying China. It would be like if your neighbor, you rented a cow from your neighbor and you still had to give them all of the milk. So you were literally just paying them to have a cow in your backyard. And that bothered me. But I have since learned that pandas are not evolutionarily infertile. They are actually very capable of reproducing in the wild. They very much struggle to reproduce in zoos. So let's start with number one. Everyone thinks that pandas are cute, right? It turns out that they are, the way they are built from their cute coloring that makes their little ears and their eyes stand out and the way that they like sit and eat like a human and it is very easy to like infantilize them. They literally have manipulated us into taking care of them not on purpose but like if it was a komodo dragon nobody would be like uh the cuddlies no no because they're fucking terrifying with their white ass tongues and scales like they are terrifying and the claws and the <clears throat> pandas are bears they look like they are genetically engineered to be the perfect mindfuck to require us to care and nurture they look like fucking teddy bears but those big cute cuddly cheeks that everybody loves to smush yeah uh, they look like that because their jaws are so fucking strong because they're designed to rip through bamboo in fact their bite strength is somewhere between like a lion and a jaguar lion jaguar Some dude got fucking ravaged by a wild panda and almost lost his fucking leg. Like, mm, mm. Um, also, they are not herbivores. They are opportunistic omnivores. And if you want to trap one, you should lay your trap with deer meat or goat meat, not bamboo. But nobody wants to hear that pandas eat bambi. So, also, the issue with reproduction. It turns out that the reason pandas aren't reproducing in captivity is not because they are incapable or because their appendages are too tiny. It's because panda mating is basically a giant fucking orgy where a whole bunch of them get together and there's like yelling and biting and like it gets super aggressive and that's why they weren't reproducing in like captivity because you put one and one in like a cement room and they're like uh find romance no no they want a grecian style fucking orgy where they can like bite and rip at each other and fuck each other into the fucking wall no no pandas are not cute they have the bite strength of a lion jaguar and they're degenerates who have orgies so i still don't like pandas have you seen the also all this what comes up because my child chose as his evening companion the stuffed panda that my husband got me as a gag gift oh one my year god well winnie the pooh rips people's faces off so you know 
You haven't seen the trailer for Blood and Honey? (laughs) (laughs) I I was actually watching, like, the OG Winnie the Pooh with my son today, so I was just like, what? Okay, yes, no, I have. Jesus Christ. He's mad at Christopher Robin for growing up and leaving him, so him and Piglet are seeking revenge. that's how the trailer made it sound to me that he's mad at christopher robin so we'll see that is amazing oh also one cool fun panda fact um the first pandas landed in the u.s just before world war ii and they were called su lin which means a little bit of something cute and then may may her little sister and then they brought over may lan who was supposed to be uh su lin's mate um, turns out they were all boys because nobody knew how to gender a panda. <laughs> they couldn't figure out why they weren't getting pregnant, and then they realized they were all boys. <laughs> okay. So, yes, apparently sexing pandas is notoriously difficult. Also, I learned a lot from this Wall Street Journal article. <laughs> but yeah, uh, actual quote from the article, Panda sex is a rough and tumble affair with plenty of biting and barking. Sounds like the orchard. Honestly, sounds like some college. <laughs> Uh, I'm so sad Hannah Beth wasn't there for that. Um, Hannah Beth is off enjoying some much-needed family time, so she is not with us today. But um, now it is time to jump into... Did we even say hi? What happened? <laughs> uh, you said something, and I said, oh, hi, fire whiskers. Okay. Great question. Let's jump in. Let's be- anyway, the dead of time. Sorry, guys. We had to cut that out. Uh, neighbors were driving by on extraordinarily loud bikes and... The sound of their fragile egos uh, made it hard to hear me. So, Kat, what happened? What? I wrote it down this time. Even though <gasps> I was really lazy today, I did write it down. Which means I skimmed the chapter because I didn't remember, so I wrote down what I could remember after skimming said chapter. So, if I leave anything out. So... They were all at the borough, and I guess they were going to have an order meeting. And then we find out that Luna knows Hermione slash Maya's secret, because she's like, I know who you are. And she's like, how do you know? And Luna's just like, because I know. And because Luna's really trippy. And then Maya made Arthur and everybody else ask her questions so she could confirm that she is who she says she is for whatever reason. Even though I sort of remember that kind of being in the movie, so I don't remember why that happens. Quick interjection. Um, So in the movies, they did that um, during the flight of the Seven Harrys or whatever. And that was to confirm that they were who they said they were. And not a Death Eater polyjuice to the ask them. The remix of Flight of the Bumblebee, Flight of the Seven Harrys. Oh my god. Um, but no, she she did that to prove that she was both Hermione and Maya. So that they didn't, like, freak out on her. Yeah. Okay. So, then they talked about the time turner and how Maya got it and all that jazz. And then, at the very end, Harry was like, wait. You guys brewed Veritaserum? He's, like, so shocked by, like, everything they tell him. And they were like, yeah. And then the famous line from our merchandise, go buy it, came up. Yeah, so they mentioned that uh, Veritaserum was a concern when they were at Hogwarts. And he was like, but how? And then they said, you know, brewed it, bought it, nicked it. Um, Says the guy who knew Hermione was illegally brewing Pology's potion in the girls' bathroom, but okay. Yeah, I think Veritaserum is even more finicky than Pology's potion, I think, um, which is why it's so hard to come by. But, uh, anywho, uh, so yeah, that, that is what had happened once. And so, chapter 134 twin troubles. September 21st, 1998. The commotion died down after a while, though each and every person came forward to either reacquaint themselves with Maya or meet her for the second first time. For the second first time? Oh, okay. Right. Because she used to be Hermione. Old friends from the original order excitedly shared their joy over her being alive before eventually departing. 
Poor Hagrid had to have time travel explained to him several times as he kept repeatedly asking Maya how come Hermione had not remembered him from when she went to Hogwarts in the 70s. I feel your pain, Hagrid. Me too. (laughs) The only person that stayed away from her, for the most part, was not exactly a person at all. Dobby hovered in the corner of the room, staring at her with big eyes, worrying his floppy ears in his hands with an anxious look on his face. Eventually, Harry had gone over to see if he was all right. Dobby joyfully hugged Harry and then disapparated away without a word. Maya took no offense, assuming that the house elf's reluctance to approach her had been for the fact that she was sitting with the Malfoys. Charlie spoke to Maya away from the table. Being Tonks's ex-boyfriend, he kept his distance since her marriage to Remus a year earlier out of a deep understanding of creatures. Remus had reassured everyone that he was perfectly fine and had no problem with Charlie, but Bill, effectively the Omega Wolf of their strange little pack, insisted that his brother remain away from his Alpha's mate, as a matter of respect, if not for anything else. Bill approached Maya with Flora at his side almost nervously. You smell different. What Bill means to say is that he can tell there is something different, Flora said sweetly, patting her husband on the arm. I can sense that, too. I'm Pack, Maya said kindly to Bill. It's likely you're sensing that, or because I'm an animagus. Several other eyes shot around the table in surprise. What? It won't be a secret for long, she said, as she took a sip of her butterbeer. And no, I'm not going to show you my form. Sirius chuckled beside her. Can't believe our little Hermione grew up with the actual marauders. Fred said as he took a seat across the table from Maya, grinning at her. When their eyes met, he winked, and she laughed. "'Believe it, boys,' Sirius said proudly, throwing an arm around her shoulders. "'She was an unofficial marauder herself.' "'So what's your name, then?' George asked. "'Maya.' At a shared look from the twins, with raised eyebrows, she sighed. I didn't have one of their silly little marauder nicknames, she insisted, subtly glaring at Sirius, just daring him to speak. Fred grinned. What was that? I think she's playing coy, George said. Fred leaned forward and whispered, Tell us your secrets. I called her Vixen, Sirius said smugly. Maya swatted at him. Sirius! George laughed. And how did the lovely Maya Potter get that nickname? Sirius winked. She's very foxy. Maya rolled her eyes and turned her attention back to the twins. I was not in their little boys club, thank you very much, she said emphatically, recalling the early days of the anime guy romps on their way to the Shrieking Shack, where Sirius had insisted upon giving her a name like the rest of them. Too rule-abiding to mix with the mischief-making marauders, were you? Fred asked with a playful grin. Hardly. I was above them, she said with genuine confidence. Neither Remus nor Sirius corrected her. Fred and George gasped. Lies! Blasphemy! Sacrilege! She's not far off, boys, Remus interrupted them. Sirius and James caused the most trouble and destruction, but Maya had a talent for producing mass hysteria at Hogwarts. Sirius chuckled fondly. Remember the popcorn incident? And peeves with the butter? Lads, Sirius said, looking back at the twins, this little witch would give you both a run for your money. Fred snorted incredulously. This is Hermione Granger we're talking about? No, Sirius shook his head. This is Maya Potter. No offense, love, George said, reaching out and patting Maya's hand consolingly. But I'll believe it when I see it. Both twins then stood, grinning as they made their way back across the room to presumably tell the hilarious tale to Charlie, who was discussing mating rituals of the Catalonian fireball dragon with Bill. Ginny? Maya looked down the table at her friend, who'd spent the better part of the evening trying to teach Teddy how to say quaffle, while Harry spoon-fed him mashed potatoes. Ginny looked up. Yeah? Do Fred and George still keep a running batch of polyjuice potion at their shop? Maya asked curiously, instantly drawing the attention of both Remus and Sirius. I think so. Keep it around in case of emergencies, Ginny replied. Sometimes George likes to use it so they can be identical again. Do me a favor. Apparate over there and snag me a file of it. 
Despite not knowing what exactly Maya had planned, Ginny grinned and eagerly stood up from the long table, making a subtle yet hasty exit. What are you doing? Remus whispered. Making a point. Maya stared across the floor at the twin marauder wannabes. My talent was called into question, Remus, and I have to defend myself, don't I? Sirius grinned, visibly shivering with anticipation. Are you doing what I think you're doing? That depends. Tonks, care to help me have a go at Fred and George? Green eyes sparkled blue like a shiny aquamarine stone, alight with mischief. What can I do? Hold still. Maya leaned across both Sirius and Remus and pulled two hairs from Tonks' head. An hour later, the meal was wrapping up and Maya had excused herself only once, dragging Ginny to the loo where she prepared the potion and left it in her friend's more than capable hands for proper distribution. Once back at the table, she was the perfect picture of calm innocence as she discussed the future with old and new friends. "'Do you have plans now that you've returned, Miss Potter?' Narcissa asked. "'Call me Maya. Please, Sissa. We are family, after all.' "'Maya, then,' the blonde smiled sweetly. "'I'll assume you'll not be returning to Hogwarts?' No, I plan on merging my two lives into one, and I've requested that Minerva retrieve my previous newt scores. I have no desire to return to Hogwarts, Maya admitted, much to the shock of several eavesdroppers, including Neville, who dropped his fork in surprise at the announcement. She frowned, thinking not only of the war and the final battle, but of her father, Charles, who had died on the grounds of Hogwarts. Many good memories, but plenty of bad ones as well. And you're going to continue staying at Black Manor? Grimwald Place? Maya nodded. Yes, until something more suitable presents itself. She made a mental note to find out what happened to Potter Manor after Jamie died. While I'd like to stay in a family home, I'd rather not have to deal with Walburga's portrait. She was horrible enough in person. Narcissa smirked knowingly. I know the feeling. Malfoy Manor has many unpleasant memories. However, it's still Draco's birthright. She insisted, her eyes casting across the room where the Minister for Magic was speaking with Bill and Percy. I'd like to reacquire it from the Ministry, if only to burn it to the ground and rebuild from scratch. The land, after all, can be easily cleansed. Maya nodded thoughtfully, turning her body so she could speak easier with Narcissa without shouting. I'd forgotten that Malfoy Manor was seized, she said, ignoring the way that several people at the table stared at her, as though they were waiting for her to break down at the mere mention of the place where she had once been tortured. For Maya, of course, that had been eight years ago. Confronting Bellatrix Lestrange in the past had helped to rid her of the nightmare. And your vaults? We're currently living off of my personal inheritance from the Black Vaults, Narcissa replied, turning her attention to Sirius and smiling softly. Sirius has been very generous to us. I take care of my family, Sirius said firmly, bringing his glass of fire whiskey to his mouth as though to end the point right there. Maya smiled affectionately at him, brushing her fingers against his bearded cheek. You always have. Still, regardless of what Lucius did with his money and reputation, Narcissa and Draco have a right to what's theirs. She shook her head, adding this to the list of things that was wrong with the ministry. Things she fully intended on bringing up with Kingsley very soon. Don't worry about a thing, Sissa. Sirius isn't the only one who takes care of family. Likely because her words sounded far too much like charity, thus wounding his pride, Draco snapped, We're just fine, Granger. Draco, don't be rude, Narcissa quietly scolded her son. Whether it was out of respect for his mother, or perhaps genuine remorse, Draco gave a reluctant, silent nod of apology to Maya. Maya smiled wryly at them both. Don't worry about it, Sissa. His petulance has surely become a habit by now. I'm afraid there's nothing to be done. Draco returned her smirk, and Narcissa rolled her eyes, muttering, We shall see, under her breath. Do you plan on returning to Hogwarts, Draco? Maya asked curiously. What on earth for? Once my vaults are returned to me, I plan on taking the Malfoy family seat in the wizen gamut. He insisted, speaking loud enough that perhaps the minister could overhear, but not so loud as to draw unwanted attention from the rest of the group. Buildings and castles aren't the only things in need of reconstruction. I agree, 
Maya said, ignoring the choking sound that Ron was making at the end of the table. I wonder if you'd be willing to help me with a few projects before you become too involved in boring politics. Draco raised a pale eyebrow with mild interest. Projects? Calling in that life debt already? Hardly. I plan on saving that for a special occasion. And you know what we save for for special occasions? What? Jewelry. Very true. And we have special occasion jewelry uh, available to you, designed after the pieces in the debt of time, available through one of our own, Cat Butler, who actually makes a version of the black family ring with an opal. Cat and I both have one, and it is stunningly beautiful. Uh, Kat makes these herself. She designed them. She got the sign-off from Shia, and she will be posting within the group after this episode airs in the Facebook group, and you will be able to hit that link and purchase them from her on Etsy. It is done through Etsy, so it goes directly to her, no middlemen. So, if you are interested in owning a piece of the debt of time, beating Kit Kat can hook you up. Whatcha? Whatcha? Oh, speaking of hooking up, um, that brings me to another tangent that I wrote about. Um, apparently, somebody was caught uh, doing the do at Disney World and filming it. So, preface to this. Anything sexual in a place that is designed for children in front of children is wildly inappropriate. We do not condone it. It is gross. You should not do it. It no. That being said, when you take the horrificness of what this person did out, there is still much humor left to be found. So we're going to start with what ride do you think she did it on? It's a small world after all. That was my first thought. Somebody else said uh, turning Splash Mountain into Sploosh Mountain. Um, but actually it was... Bum, bada, bah. Under the Sea. <laughs> and if the title wasn't going to be something about a clam, I don't want it. Um, Darling, gets better it was, down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Exactly. And that is why we are looking for the humor in this. Because, yes, people are terrible. But also, I'm sorry, it's fucking hilarious. But there were so many possible name ideas. I mean, you've got a friend in me. Bo Peep meets Buzz and Woody. The Matterhorny, Mr. Toad's Pantless Ride, Sploosh Mountain, Exposing His Dinglehopper, It's a Small Size After All, or my personal favorite, uh, Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so that happened. People are terrible. Uh, Don't be like them. Don't violate basic rules of consent. There were an astonishing number of people who were like, America is too prudish. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. There's a big difference between free the nipple and get fucked in front of a small child. One of those is okay. One of those is very much not. The rules of consent are two people, or however many people, must consent to the act But also, anybody else who is capable of seeing the act must also consent to seeing it. And if they don't consent, you can't do it because now you are violating their rights. Maybe they were just trying to make a little mouseketeer. I mean, they might have been, but like, I... I saw a video the other day where this woman was straight up giving a dude head at a baseball game. And like, they were in the nosebleed seats, but... It was very obvious what was happening. There was like, like the seats didn't go up high enough. Like you could see her from shoulders up. And I'm like, I, it, it, no. Wow. I'm very like, yes, that there, there is way too much control over education about basic body parts. And yes, America has its issues with being prudish. But that also doesn't mean free-for-all fuckfest in front of whoever you want. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah. 
You gotta come to my <laughs> magic kingdom. <laughs> Emphasis on the coming. Uh, <laughs> sorry. All right, hold on. <clears throat> anyway, the dead of time. Okay, one more thing. So we have just cut out a fairly personal tangent. Sorry, guys, you are not allowed to hear that one. But it made me snort laughing. Kat was telling me that if I was snorting, uh, or if my throat hurt when I'm snorting, I'm breathing wrong. Um, I want you to cover one nostril, like completely, like take your finger, press it into the nostril so you can't breathe out of it and breathe in and go. And see if you can breathe normally. If you cannot, now cover the other one and go. And if you still like, it feels like it's stopping up and you can't really breathe right. I want you to take two fingers, both of your index fingers, stick them inside your nostril, pull your nostrils apart and push it up. Like, so you have pig nose and go. Because you may have a deviated septum or something wrong with your nose. And I guarantee if you do that, you're going to have the biggest breath of your life through your nose. And it's going to change your life. Because apparently that's how people are supposed to be breathing through their nose. And TikTok taught me that. And all of a sudden I'm like, I didn't realize I could pull that much in through my nose. Also, this is now explaining why (laughs) I think I do a pretty good job of covering the fact that my voice is fairly nasal. Um, But when I sing, I really struggle. I can't project and it sounds very very nasally because I can't breathe properly through my nose and I'm now wondering like if I were to do the fingers up the nose and out if I would be able to sing better because then I would have a free nose and I wouldn't be stuck in the back of my throat but anyway uh yeah so if you do that maybe it's worth talking to an ENT to see if there's something wrong with your nose uh anyway the dead of time we are going to hop off the tangent train now I know everybody's going like Jesus Christ read the story so, <clears throat> so um, Draco was saying he was going into politics, um, and Maya said, I wonder if you'd be willing to help me with a few projects before you get too involved. Draco raised a pale eyebrow with mild interest. Projects? Calling in that life debt already? Hardly. I plan on saving that for a special occasion. No, this project would be mutually beneficial, I assure you, she said, her eyes briefly glancing towards his left forearm that was currently covered by a well-pressed dress shirt and robes. To drive the point home, she casually scratched the mudblood scar on her own left forearm. Draco's permanent sneer briefly fell away. You think you can? He asked quietly. It won't be pleasant. It wasn't when I received it. Several sessions, at least. Daily. The blonde let out a controlled breath and dipped his head once. We can start tomorrow, if you are available. Speaking of scheduling, Narcissa interrupted before Draco got too emotional. We must do lunch sometime soon. Oh, and shopping. I doubt you had a chance to bring your wardrobe with you from the 1970s. Maya pouted. Shame, too. I'll miss my bell-bottoms. Draco scrunched up his nose. What are bell-bottoms? The greatest muggle creation since lace knickers, Sirius said with a happy grin on his face. Trousers that cup a witch's arse almost as good as your own hands. He demonstrated by cupping his hands out in mid-air and squeezing. Maya shook her head in exasperation, slightly hiding her amused smile. Tonks outright laughed while Andromeda rolled her eyes. All the wizards at the table appeared to be suddenly very interested in muggle attire, Draco included. Narcissa sighed irritably and looked at Maya with great sympathy. You'll have to make sure he doesn't speak in public much, dear. No interviews. Photographs only. He does have a very pretty face, Maya said with a smile in her voice, before turning back to Narcissa. I will, of course, take you up on your offer of shopping. I need a lot of new things. I have clothes from before I was sent into the past, of course, but they're not exactly my style any longer. That, and I'd like to get several set of proper robes. Sirius, I need you to key me into the Gringotts vault so I can get some things taken care of. Anything you want, kitten. Ron, overhearing the conversation, cleared his throat. <clears> throat> um, Hermione? She turned and looked at her friend. Hmm? You're going to spend Sirius's money? No offense. Well, you always used to say how much you hated when people relied on money like that. 
he said, eyeing Draco at the opposite end of the table. Galleons they didn't earn themselves. Before either Draco, Harry, or Sirius, all independently wealthy due to being born into money, had a chance to say a word, Maya spoke up. I went through puberty twice. I have earned this, she said with a laugh, and most of the table joined her, though some more than others. Besides, I'm going to convert my original, or, well, Hermione's Gringotts vault, into a base for charities I plan on starting, and the money I had as Maya Potter was all transferred to Remus upon my death. Remus winced and Sirius scratched the back of his head nervously. Actually, Maya eyed them both. What? Well, since you were never technically declared dead, Sirius said the word, his jaw twitching. The wizened gamut put up a fuss when we went to get your estate settled. James wanted to figure everything out before Harry was born. They cut off access to your personal vault to anyone who tried to get in, saying that you could easily be in hiding somewhere. Her eyes widened. That doesn't make a difference. I had Remus added to the vault regardless of whether or not I died. It would only become all his upon my death. He still should have been granted access to it. When Remus averted his gaze, she glared at him. Don't even start with me, Remus Lupin. It's not bloody charity. I know, kitten. Sirius reached out and put a hand on her arm to settle her. But the Ministry pulled the werewolf card on him. She sucked in a sharp breath of air. <sighs> they did what? Before she had a chance to get into the details of how the Ministry was responsible for Remus's poverty, despite the insurance she tried to set up for him, Harry shouted, What the hell? Pointing across the room where Fred and George were now standing, looking at one another with wide grins. "'Forge, your hair is purple,' George said, pointing a finger at his twin. "'Your hair is pink, Gred!' At the same time, they each turned their fancy-colored heads and eyed Maya. "'Granger!' George called out. "'Potter!' Fred shouted to her as they approached the table once again. "'You've changed our hair color. That's hardly impressive. I can do that with a Colavaria charm.' "'So I did,' Maya said casually taking a sip from Sirius's fire whiskey. Granted, it took me a longer time to achieve it the first time I came up with it, but I've simplified the potion over the years, casting the Colavaria charm over the entire brew instead of the individual pieces. All that was left was my secret ingredient, she said, purposefully not looking in Tonks's direction. Your hair's turning green, Fred, George said, looking at his brother. So is yours, George. Maya smiled satisfactorily. I do love green. On you boys, it looks positively envious. I always thought it made me look rather brilliant. Much better than the red, Draco chimed in, ignoring Ron, who was glaring at him. What's the secret? George demanded to know. Maya shrugged her shoulder and stared down at her hand, seemingly to examine her nails. What do I get for it? Fred grinned brightly. You hear that, brother mine? I think she wants to bargain with us. She looked up at them, folding her arms down in front of her. I own the entire patent and collect 50% of the profits from all sales of mood juice, she said, smiling at the name that the boys had given it decades earlier. Then you can have my recipe. Mood juice? Fred asked, interested. It changes according to us? George inquired. Maya smiled in confirmation. She used to slip it into the pumpkin juice at breakfast. Remus said with a quiet chuckle. The whole school would be affected by it for at least an hour. Slytherins were furious. Go have a wank and see what happens, Sirius suggested. Sirius Black, Molly snarled at him from across the room. It was too late, however. Fred and George grinned at one another and rushed out of the tent as fast as their long legs could carry them, one going left as they exited, the other going right. Ginny made a disgusted face. Well, at least they went in separate directions. This, I believe, is a good time to leave, Narcissa said as she stood, holding out her arms as Draco gently slipped her cloak on her, an expectation bred into him. She smiled down at Maya and kissed her cheeks in farewell. Owl me this week. Potter, Draco said, nodding to Maya. I'll stop by tomorrow. He gave a nod of farewell to everyone else, sneering toward Ron at the end of the table before turning and escorting his mother out in, out the opening of the marquee. 
When Fred and George rejoined the group six and eight minutes later, respectively, each with matching sky-blue hair, they grinned brightly, much to the disgust of several occupants who learned in their brief absence the color wheel portion of the charmed potion. The twins did a celebratory dance before sidling up to the long table to sit opposite the two remaining marauders and the witch who now held their complete devotion. Fred spoke first. Thirty percent. Fifty, Maya countered. George shot back with thirty-five. Forty-five, and I'll consider giving you my recipe for a currently legal alternative to Veritas serum that blemishes the face until the affected speaks the truth, she said, remembering the satisfactory moment of a large room filled with lying witches covered in red splotches, all for attempting to ruin Sirius's reputation. Done. As the night drew on, Maya wanted to return to Grimwood Place, but any mention of it was quickly brushed aside by Sirius. Equally brushed aside was her hand any time it came to rest on his thigh, a fact that was quickly becoming very irritating. "'I can't tell you how happy I am to see you alive and well, Maya,' Arthur said as he approached Maya with a tender smile. In that moment, she could see both her friend from long ago as well as the father figure she had grown to love over the years. Of course, I feel a bit foolish for not recognizing you. Don't feel too bad, Arthur, Sirius insisted. Not even Snape knew who she was, and she punched him in the face. Twice. You did what? Molly gasped as she moved to sit down beside her husband, staring across the table at Maya, who did not even look ashamed of her past actions against the surly Slytherin. He deserved it, I apologized later. His portrait and I are in decent speaking terms for now. "'But the two of you knew?' Arthur asked, gesturing a hand to Sirius and Remus. "'Minerva spelled Hermione at the beginning of each school year "'so that those who knew Maya would not be able to recognize her. "'That spell didn't affect Sirius or myself,' Remus said. "'We're linked.' "'Arthur signaled his understanding, looking at Sirius and Maya. "'Well, I'd imagine so.' Though I'm not sure how you'd be, he began to say, looking at Remus as though trying to put the pieces together. To save him the trouble, Maya pulled her collar down to the side, revealing the pack mark. Arthur gasped. Oh, it's not what you think, Maya assured him quietly. At the same time, Sirius and Tonks both tugged at their collars, revealing the same scar. Tonks's was shaped just slightly different, as Remus had bitten her directly, unlike Sirius, who earned his through the shared bond. Mate, Tonk said, pointing to herself, and then gestured to Sirius and Maya. Pack. Arthur slowly nodded. I see. You really should write a book on werewolves, Remus, he said with furrowed brows, turning his attention to Sirius and Maya. So the two of you are okay then? I mean, twenty years apart is a long time. Maya smiled softly, reaching for Sirius's hand, glad when he didn't brush her aside. We're catching up quite well. She sighed in contentment when Sirius brought her hand to his mouth, kissing her knuckles. Arthur turned to Molly, who looked mildly put out at the sight of the affectionate couple. Molly, is this what you came home so upset about last night? It's... he's just... She said, gesturing her hand to Sirius and catching Maya's eye, looking down briefly, ashamed of whatever it had been that she had wanted to say. I'd always hoped for something different, is all. I always thought that Hermione and Ronald would... Absolutely not, Maya said, before Molly had a chance to even finish her thought aloud. Ron scoffed at his mother. Where'd you get a dumb idea like that? Molly narrowed her eyes at him. Excuse me, young man. Er, I just mean... I mean, maybe a long time ago I had a thought, but... Absolutely not. Maya repeated herself. Ron scowled at her, his cheeks turning red. You don't have to say it so loud, you know. Say what so loud? Fred said as he rejoined the table, sitting on one side of his parents across from the marauders and Maya. Why the red face, Ronnykins? George teased, looking at his youngest brother as he sat down on the other side of Arthur and Molly. Nothing, Ron mumbled. Mum just thought that Hermione and me would end up together. Fred smiled at Molly. Oh, Mum, sweet Mum, naive and lovely Mum. If Hermione would have any Weasley, it would be me, George insisted. Or me, 
Fred countered. George chuckled and then winked at Maya. But most likely me. Or neither, Maya said laughing. Ever. I'm quite happy where I am right now, thank you. Where's that? Fred asked. Sirius grinned and put an arm around her, pulling her tight against his side. With me. The twins stared at the couple and slowly grinned, their eyes growing large with amusement before settling entirely on Maya. Well done, Granger, George said. Fred applauded her. Good on you, Potter. Maya rolled her eyes and looked at Sirius. I'm slightly disturbed and a little offended that they seem more enthusiastic about me being with you than you being with me. What do you expect? He asked her innocently. I'm like a god to these two. Speaking of which, Maya grinned as the thought occurred to her. Boys, I'd love to stop by the shop this next week. Remus and Sirius haven't been there yet. Fred and George stood tall, putting their businessmen posture before declaring, Free merchandise for every marauder, followed up with, For the first time, we're still running a business after all. Don't even give discounts to family. George said with a grin, when Ron threw him a rude hand gesture behind Molly's back. And speaking of family, Fred leaned close to Maya. We have a question. So, you're James Potter's sister? Yes. Right, George said and looked at Sirius. And you're Harry's godfather? Yes. Sirius replied suspiciously. And Harry's always thought of you as a sister, Fred said, looking back at Maya. Technically, I am his sister as well, if you think about it. Harry provoked a familial bond with me that carried over to Jamie, she explained clearly. Sirius narrowed his eyes. Do you lads have a point? The twins shared a look and smiled back at the couple for a long moment before George finally blurted out, When the two of you start having kids, is Harry going to be their uncle brother cousin? <laughs> uncle brother cousin, puppy monkey baby. <laughs> I mean, so he would be uncle because Hermione is his sister, so her kids would be his niece and nephew, so he would be the uncle. Yes. Brother, because Sirius is his godfather, like an actual father, and any of Sirius's kids would be siblings. Yep. And cousin, because they're all blacks. Yep. And also because Maya is Jamie's sister and so any of her kids would be cousins to harry her nephew yep who is also her brother yep but now also her cousin Mm -hmm. good lord it's like the royal family (laughs) (laughs) harry choked on his drink though no one was certain whether it was in shock over sirius and maya potentially procreating or the not so subtly noted broken family tree Remus had a look in his eyes that said he was tempted to tell the twins that, on a technicality because of Doria, Sirius and Maya were also second cousins, but Maya silenced him with a, sec- with a stern look. Once Ginny had sufficiently made sure that Harry was able to breathe and the table quieted, Fred asked, And can we be godfather? Oh, Jesus. That'd be super cute, though. It would. Can you imagine the twins as godfathers? That'd be so cute. <sighs> All right. Well, that's the chapter. Um, and I still have one tangent left, so uh, if you want to skip ahead to the patrons, you can. But um, I am in a ADHD group, and this one woman posted, and she was concerned because typical ADHD manner, she rambles and talks a lot and has difficulty reading the social cues that tell you to shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> same. But she was embarrassed because her son didn't want to introduce his first girlfriend to her because he was worried she was going to scare the girl off. And so, like, really sad. And, you know, a bunch of the people in there were, like, you know, giving her support. Like, hey, maybe you can, you know, talk to your son and see if you can figure out, like, groundwork. Because her son's, like, 17 or something like that. He's young. But, like, in my relationship, Jimmy and I have a process I give him full permission to kick me under the table if I am rambling too hard or too long or getting too off topic. And it's just sort of my room. It's not him being like, hey, shut the fuck up. It's him saying, hey, you're doing the thing. 
I don't want you to be embarrassed. And I know you'll be embarrassed if you realize later. So why don't you wrap it up? You've hit the point where it's now less entertaining and more rambly. And I appreciate that. And so I offered that advice and I was reading through the advice that other people had offered. (laughs) This one woman commented that when she met her husband's mother for the first time, the woman would just randomly in the middle of a conversation, start barking like a dog. Just like once, just be like total normal conversation and continue on as if nothing had happened. And on numerous occasions brought up the fact that she had been abducted by aliens and did this apparently throughout the entire time they were dating and engaged. And once they got married, it stopped. And she asked her mother-in-law about it. She's like, I haven't heard about your time with the aliens recently. You know, what's going on? And her mother-in-law goes, that was all bullshit. I just wanted to make sure that I couldn't scare you off. I wanted to make sure you were worthy of my son and you weren't going to leave him just because his mom was weird. (laughs) So like, now I have a new life goal. (laughs) Wow. Like, you're fucking up. Like, the woman apparently kept it up for like a year and a half, two years. And then was just like, okay, well, that didn't scare you off, so I can stop now. (laughs) It's so fucking diabolical i love it but yes so um that is uh my parenting tip for today come back for more (laughs) i'm kidding please don't (sighs) all right thank the people All right, guys, it is now September, so we would like to thank our dogs, wolves, and stags. We would like to thank Izzy, Theo, Black, Tracy, and Bridget. We'd like to thank our September foxes, Muggle Trucker, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Professor Magana got it going on, Claire soothes my ADHD goblin brain, Tori, Sierra, Camille, Stacy, Kiara, Morgan, Leanne, Sandra, Martina, Shannon, Diana, Jordan, Claire, Nicole, Kayla, Ryland, Amber, Kenny, Sarah, Carissa, Rachel, Widower of a Slitherclaw, April, Kaylin, Audrey, Melissa, Kara, Ryder, Sarah, Cassie, another one for the baby jar, Cauldron Mist, Shauna, Juliana, Samantha, Elias, Crystal, Shona, Dan, Miriam, Brittany, Kendra, Chris, Misha, Sylvia, Jillian, Becky, Crystal, Lisbeth, Frau Holly, Jasmine, and Matthew. I love the unique names, guys. Keep it up. Yes. Now, I would like to take a minute to do a special shout out to one of our new foxes. And I never do this. But um, specifically, Widower of a Slitherclaw. Because their name is exactly what they are. Um, We are not this person's first experience with the dead of time. They had actually gotten into it through their fiancé. And um, their fiancé would sit there and wait for the reactions and encourage them to keep reading, very similar to what I do with Kat. Um, And on May 16th, 2022, their fiancé passed away. And this person found our podcast uh, about a month later and has binging it since. And wanted to let us know that they really appreciated us for helping them keep a part of their fiance alive. And I fucking bawled my eyes out reading their message. And I just... Kat, are you getting emotional? Shut up. Yeah. Don't look So... (laughs) This is not the first time we've had somebody reach out to tell us that our show has been a way to help them work through stuff. This is my request. Always tell us this stuff if you guys are comfortable doing it because it... We did this as a way to continue maintaining common ground when both of our lives went in such wildly different directions. But this really has become something so much more and... You know, we've seen the 
best and worst parts of people's lives come across the Facebook page. And it just, it means a lot to know that we can help. And we love you guys. And it's nice to know that we're helping. Yeah, I agree. Because that's what tubes and potterless was for me during my dark time so it's like i appreciate it when people tell us that we were their comfort in their dark time because that was one of my personal goals when once i got happy again is that i wanted to help people just like shoops helped me which is why i kind of aggressively told him that when we recorded with him but that's not the point but yes but yeah so I'm going to be honest. Last week, when we recorded that episode, I was in the denial phase of grief. Um, I lost someone that I'd known for a very, very long time in a truly horrific way. And last week, I bottomed out and hit the worst depression I have been in in years and years and years and it just sucker punched me in the gut literally brought me to the floor and thank you to therapy I was able to reach out to a handful of people who I trust wholeheartedly and say hey I'm not okay please reach out, send me funny things, be happy, send me good news, just talk to me because I am not okay. And I had therapy this morning and I feel like I had a hundred pound weight lifted off my chest and there's still going to be stuff to process. But six years ago, before I'd been in therapy, this would have taken me out for probably six months, not a week, um, 10 days, but, and I'm still struggling, but rock bottom was 48 hours instead of months. So we are a happy, safe place. If you need to not feel alone, listen to us. If you really need to not feel alone, our Facebook group is full of a ton of people who are ready and willing to be there for any of our fire whiskers. You're not alone. We love you. God, this is a really fucking depressing way to end, but it, no, but it's not depressing. It's hopeful. I hope this is hopeful because I feel like we've built a place where people feel loved. Yeah. Amen, sister friend. Yeah. I just did like the chest pound thing and checked a Claire, place. Claire, this you is guys an audio podcast. <laughs> oh, you get to say it to me now. All right. Well, on that note, we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Watcha. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.